This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. We're at the National Equine Forum today, and my guest right now is Rolly Owers. He's the Chief Executive of World Horse Welfare, and we're talking about social license. Welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. We're at the National Equine Forum, and we're joined by a previous guest. He's been on the podcast before. It's Rolly Owers, who is the Chief Executive of World Horse Welfare. How are you, Rolly? I'm very well, Amy. It's lovely to speak to you again. Oh, and to you. Now, you're speaking at the forum today with Barry Johnson. What are you guys going to be talking about? Yeah, we're really looking forward to speaking today. It's around a session of sort of global issues which have sort of national and local interest. And the concept or what we're talking about is social license. And is it something that is, I think people would recognise, is growing more and more, especially when you look at something like racing, but also all elite horse sport, where it can only operate where the general public gives it a, gen- a social license to operate. Um, and that's a concept of foundations of which are to be doing the right things by our horses in terms of our health and welfare, but also then telling the public that we're doing the right things and explaining to them, you know, what's being done. And you can see issues like the whip in racing, which is a very emotive issue. And that potentially can be very damaging to racing because through its social license, through its, its how public perceive racing, can be hugely damaging to it as a sport. So I guess it's, it's not a written form. It's not where we can sign up to a social license. It's something where basically the community agrees that there are particular morals and ethos that we take to the industry. And we say, OK, well, you know, I, I own horses, so I expect all horses to be treated fairly, with respect, with love, care, and they, that they have all their needs for their health met. Is that the kind of thing you mean? Yes, certainly. You're absolutely right. It's not a written thing. It's an unwritten sort of contract with, with, with society. But it's not about animal rights. It is about uh, actually the public understanding that when we use horses for entertainment, which is what we're doing here, that we are doing all we can to protect their health and welfare. And that is something that is changing as society changes. And certainly with the evolution of social media, there is far more of a focus and an interest around animal welfare. And that's a really good thing. And the social license is there to get horse sport um, to understand what they need to do to fulfill their side 
of the bargain, so to speak, so that horse sport in the future can flourish. I'm going to talk about the social licence in the round, just introduce as a concept and uh, sort of some practical examples, and we could come back to that if we had time. Barry was established as chairman of the Horse Welfare Board, which was something that British Racing set up 18 months ago. Um, and it's obviously, it came out of a debate in Parliament um, and from, I think, the, the autumn of 20, 2018. And very much what came out of that and racing recognised that they had to um, have some body which pulled together all the various uh, parts of racing and to pull together to have a unified welfare strategy. Um, and so it's got racing stakeholders on it, but it's got two independent people, Tracy Crouch, who was previously Secretary of State for Cultural Media and Sport, and Barry, who's um, a veterinary surgeon, previous chairman of World Horse Welfare, who is, is chairing that group. And they have recently announced their strategy. And he'll be talking about what that is all about and how it aims to fulfil racing social licence. Oh, it's such a great idea, Rolly. Did you come up with this? It sounds like one of your no. ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say it. it came from Australia. Well, to be honest, this concept of a social license is not new. It's, it's been going for, for many years. And certainly in the late 90s, it was being used very much in the environmental field where mining companies obviously have a, have a great impact on, you know, sending people underground and sort of public safety, but also environmental challenges. So the, the concept of social license there is, is quite well recognised. Actually, it's been more recognised from an animal welfare point of view in Australia. Australia, because many people will know that in Australia, greyhound racing has, has had a, a, a significant issue and challenge and it's almost effectively being banned in Australia because um, it, the perception is that the, there was growing public concern around greyhound racing and the industry didn't react to that. So it's a good example of where actually if you ignore the social licence, it can have significant implications. But also, I did... I just wanted to bring it into the, the here and now and a day to day, because if you think about horses on roads um, and, you know, we know through the British Horse Society campaign and, and, and many horrific stories that sometimes the road can be a very dangerous place for horse and rider. Mm. And there's no doubt that in that specific regard, drivers have got a commitment and an obligation, but so do riders. And it's just a simple thing of saying thank you to people who slow down on the road. Um, it can have a profound effect going forward for, for drivers who are more understanding. So the whole social license bit can be very much in the day to day as well as with elite sport. And just from hearing you talk then, it almost seems that there's an element of this social license from, from, tradition and historic attitudes that actually are not helping the industry like you know people not wearing high beers because well it's something that I've done for ages so so yeah. you know the, the tradition that we find in our in in the industry is that actually some of those are holding us back so how do we change those mindsets to to so that everybody's on the same new social license which is for animal welfare and, and our own safety absolutely and it's get I mean we do live in in the equine world is fairly well known for being a small c conservative um sort of uh, sector where uh, change isn't always sort of actively embraced and I think the, the, the key aspect around the social license is to try and get people to understand that the world is changing society is changing and to a degree we have to change with it and 
if we just look at uh, the whole understanding of animal welfare, that is really changing too. And so many people would know about the five freedoms, which, you know, from the 1960s, that have done so much to sort of uh, improve animal welfare, especially farm animal welfare. But now we move, we move on and talk about the five provisions. And that says much about a horse's mental well-being as it is about its physical well-being. So we need to be challenging ourselves how we are managing our horses day to day, how we're training them, how we're riding them. Um, because actually our understanding of what makes a happy horse is changing all the time too. Do you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because I'm hearing a, a big shift in, in a lot of riders, especially competition riders. Um, I, I recently have been taking on some show jumping horses that notoriously would never get a break. And now they're on a six week break, a uh, six week, week routine holiday. So some go into work, they go competing and then others are on holiday and then they do a swap. And it's all about giving them the headspace that they need to, to recover and just be horses for a little bit. And what we're finding is um, that these horses are actually performing at a much better level um, when they go back into work, which I'm so thrilled about because, you know, they're in my care and I think, gosh, I don't want them going back worse than when they arrived. But it's it's just great to hear that, you know, we don't have to have these horses on in boxes all the time, you know, on the walker being ridden, on the walker being ridden, you know, being washed. They can actually, it's okay for them to be horses for a bit and that's more beneficial to their health. And so it's lovely to hear top level riders taking this on board as well yeah absolutely and i think it's as our understanding grows we just need to change and we, we often talk about or increasingly talk about the three f's of looking after horses which is freedom friendship and forage we know horses you know uh, evolution wise you know they graze 17 hours a day so it's really important they have ad lib or uh, almost ad lib access to forage they are a, a social species so actually having friendship uh, with other and time to interact with other horses is, is really uh, important and freedom it's really important not all horses are the same that's an important thing to get across but most horses do need freedom they need access to pasture on a, a, um, a daily basis and that's a, a big challenge in some scenarios i would totally accept that um, but we've got to do all we can to improve the mental well-being and the physical well-being of our animals and how we can do that um, is changing as our understanding of health and welfare changes too and, and have you seen a difference in this social license then in the UK that have, you know, through World Horse Welfare and, and changes in society that have, have impacted on the new kind of 2020 version of our industry? Yes, I mean, I was at a, an event the other day, which, which the Saddlers uh, put on, and they talked about the importance of the social license, because it's not obviously just the riders, it's the whole industry that goes around the equine sector. And as we know, the, the equine sector in the UK is worth £7 billion. It's a big, big business. Uh, but at the heart of it is the horse. And our obligation, obviously, is to protect and enhance the health and welfare of these animals. And more people are recognising that. So you're seeing more um, mention of it in the media. As you, you've talked, there, there is top riders now who are beginning to understand it. Certainly we're in discussion with the FEI and th they very much understand it. And as Barry will tell us, um, very much it is something that racing is beginning to, to get its head around too. So what's the idea then, Roly? What would be your, your ultimate dream? Oh, there's a good question. I mean, I think the ultimate dream here is to have a, um, an equine sector which fully understands what the social license is about. And by talking about the equine sector, that is from very much the elite sport rider 
and elite racing across to your uh, daily um, person who loves their horses and, and just uses them for or, or rides them or, or even has them as a companion animal. We want people to understand that we've all got a role to play in maintaining the social license for the equine sector. And so we've all got to contribute to that. Clearly, some people are in a position, a better position than others to be able to do that. But it is a collective responsibility and no one can say that's for other people. No, and absolutely. And people need to be accountable, especially if they're they're, they're holding and, and looking after and caring for horses. There is a risk, though, that as we're seeing this shift, people are taking on great responsibility but but which is great um but equally if they're seeing animals that are not being cared for or horses or donkeys that that are not getting the care that this to the standards that this social license is hoping for that actually they're then taking on those challenges themselves rather than going to the the respected charities and i recently spoke to kirsty from rspca and she's she talks about uh the multi-agency uh, the agencies working together multi-agency process which is where you will work together with the BHS and and you work with the RSPCA and Red Wings and it's great um, but what we were saying well what I was saying was that it's so painful for us Rolly because we see these animals and we want things to be done and we, we see the abuse and the show, social changes our morals are saying this isn't okay these animals shouldn't be treated like this we want to be accountable we want to be responsible for it but there's levels and limits of what we can actually do without causing more damage and I think it's finding that fine line between we've got the passion and the underlying social license of love but ultimately what do we do with it you know do we do we hand it to yeah. you <laughs> or or do we try and rescue these horses ourselves and I think there's a fine line between how mm. account how responsible we can be so there's two separate things there I mean the passion of which you give the question is is brilliant the social license isn't a standard it's a balance it's all about getting that balance right because in in, in many senses there is no ideal many people think horses at nature is the ideal but actually nature is not a very kind person uh, and therefore we We've got to get that balance right. So that's what social license is all about. What you've touched on and your, your discussion with Kirsty is equally relevant because it's a great example where social media can be a, such a force for good, uh, but also can bring huge challenges too because we can understand and find out about situations far quicker now. But also when people see things going on with animals, which we completely understand are in far from ideal uh, situations, they get very frustrated when they perceive nothing to be being done. And that is a great challenge for us because almost in every case, I can give an assurance something is being done and we're trying to move a situation. And sometimes this can take a long, long time. The law is the law uh, and therefore we've got to try and work together. And so getting people who have the passion that you've just talked about to, to work with us is what we need to work towards because actually rescuing these animals in many ways notwithstanding the legal challenges of, of doing that is the easy bit it's then caring for them um, re rehabilitating them and rehoming them and that is is a, a big commitment so we need to work together and not try not to get frustrated when you people don't think that uh, rapid enough progress is being made hearing you you speak I'm thinking about this is what I love about the National Equine Forum is uh, I think back to four years ago uh, when we first met because you're you're on the board for the forum aren't you and 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 I, I yes I'm, 
Yes. So I'm hearing uh, we're looking at passports. We you did a there was a talk on passports a couple of years ago and um, licenses for horses and making sure that every every horse in the UK has a passport, has a microchip number, and we know where they are and what they're doing. Um, so all these little bits that are happening over the last few years have got to come to fruition soon to help monitor the breeding, how many horses there are, and then the welfare. We must be seeing a difference in the next 10 years, surely. An improvement from from all the hard work that's been done over the last four and five years. Oh, absolutely. And you could point to improvements already, but the, the reality is you've got to get these base systems right and you pick up on it equine identification in the central equine database that there's been really good progress made on that but there's still a bit of a way to go and if we don't get the fundamentals right then um, it's not going to work going forward and and the real challenge we have around passports is because they've been around for 15 years and people don't really understand what they are and why they need them and what the benefits are to them and the fact that actually having a proper equine ID system is really important as a base to enhance and protect equine health and welfare but you're right i mean if we get this right there will be significant benefits to the sector but as i say there's still a few things to iron out there well thank you for everything that you do as chief exec of wealth horse welfare that you know I, i'm a massive super fan of the charity you know i am and um, and of the forum as well and so thank you for coming onto the podcast to talk to us again and um i guess we'll catch up next year when, when we find out what you're talking about next year we can watch your talk with barry johnson at the national equine forum if you head to their website national and i think it's on youtube as well thank you so much roly amy thank you so much lovely to speak to you thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode you can hear more podcasts from the national equine forum at their website nationalequineforum.com i speak to abigail turnbull from richmond equestrian center who talks about how they survived strangles i talked to zach from the behavioral insights team on how we can change behavior in the industry and david rendell who talks about worming resistance and you can see the live streams of every guest speaker at the national equine forum website Speak to you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.